We want to say a big thank you uh, for everybody involved in VBS this week here at Byfield. As you guys can tell, it's warm. It's warm. So all these volunteers are going to be in here all week. You add about 100 kids running around, so that's a lot of heat. So thank you to the volunteers who have already done a lot of work. Uh, Miriam out in the foyer and Terry Terry did a lot of this stuff up here, as well as others. Uh, and I know there's a lot of work still to be done, so thank you to all of those who have assisted with that and are going to be helping with that as well. Back when I worked as a nurse, I took care of patients suffering from a variety of different diseases. There were those dealing with coronary artery disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, hemorrhagic strokes, stomach cancer, and a host of other maladies. Different diseases affect different organs. Coronary artery disease causes heart attacks. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, affects the lungs. No disease is good, but some diseases are worse than others. And a lot of this depends on what organ or what organ system is affected by the disease. I would rather have appendicitis than COPD because I can live without my appendix, whereas I need my lungs to survive. Some organs are just more vital than others, right? We all, we all know this. So what are your most vital organs? Heart, lung, the liver, as being as important is that most people don't have a great handle on what the liver does. Think about that. You know you have a liver. What is this football-shaped organ that's about right here? that sits below your lungs and above the intestines, what does it do, okay? What would happen to you if a disease attacked it? Most of you could answer that question for almost any other vital organ. You know what your heart, lungs, kidneys, and intestines do, but, but not the liver. And I can tell you that it is not good when a person's liver is disease. The liver is an essential organ of the body that performs over 500 vital functions. It is important for digestion, filtering out toxins, blood clotting, removing infections, processing glucose, and storing vitamins and minerals. Because we aren't aware of what the liver does, we tend not to value it as highly. That doesn't mean the liver is not vital. It just means that we're, about, we're a bit ignorant about why it's so important. We might think of the Holy Spirit as the liver of the Trinity. We know the Holy Spirit is important, but our knowledge of the Holy Spirit's functions are limited. We cannot be Christians without the Spirit. However, since we don't really know what the Spirit does, we don't value it like we should. Our ignorance doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not important. The Holy Spirit's importance may not be obvious to us, but the Holy Spirit is vital. Today we are going to look at a text from John chapter 14 that will serve as a starting point for a deeper knowledge of 
what the Holy Spirit does for us and in us. We need the Holy Spirit. The, the healthier the relationship we have with him, the healthier our faith will be. A healthy faith is necessary for us to live as we should. So if you would please turn with me now to John chapter 14. We will be reading verses 15 through 21. It's John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. All right. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. On initial reading, these verses seem pretty straightforward. The first time I read them, I thought I, I thought I understood what they were saying. Then I read them again and again as I prepared this sermon. Every time I read them, I realized how much more my knowledge of the Holy Spirit needs to grow. Jesus is describing a new way of being. The relationship described in these verses between God and people is different. This is not an insignificant variation. It is a new life. The Holy Spirit is the means by which this new life is accomplished. It is by the Holy Spirit that Christians love, obey, and reside with God in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the means through which we live with God. It is how Jesus manifests himself in us. In the verses we just read, Jesus is preparing his followers for a time he will no longer be with them physically. He tells them, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Those hearing Jesus speak, they believe they love Jesus. If asked, they would earnestly proclaim their love as Peter did prior to Jesus' crucifixion. Peter proclaimed his love would keep him from ever abandoning Jesus. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter repeated three times with increasing passion his love. These were not just empty words. In Matthew 19, 27, Peter points out to Jesus that he and the other disciples, they have left everything to follow Jesus. That's, that's how much they love him. Jesus affirms not just what his followers have already done, but what they will do in the future. He knows Peter and most of the other 12 disciples will end up 
giving their lives as martyrs. That's how deep their love is. Peter and the other disciples' problem, it's not a lack of love for Jesus. The problem is that they are not good at keeping his commands. They are limited by their own sin and brokenness. Throughout Jesus' time with them, they have proven themselves inept again and again. Without Jesus there to correct them, there's a real reason for concern. They want to keep the commandments. They just know that they can't do it on their own. This is not news to the disciples. It is why they're rightly panicked about Jesus leaving. Sitting here today, we would be in no better shape on our own than the disciples knew they would be on their own. I frequently hear people say, I love Jesus. I, I love Jesus. And, and that, that is great. It, it really is great. Jesus is good. Loving him is good. It is certainly better than the alternative. Evangelical Christian culture is really good at facilitating emotional proclamations of love for Jesus. We have, we have awesome praise songs. We know how to lift our hands in the air and, and sway back and forth and sing. Emotionally loving Jesus is not a bad thing to do. I would even say it's a really, it's a really important thing to do. It's just not enough. Jesus isn't looking for emotion alone. He is looking for a life of active obedience to his commands. Love and obedience are inseparable, according to Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Think about a husband and wife. The husband says to his wife, I love you. The wife responds by saying, I love you too. Will you show your love by feeding the cats every morning, right? The husband responds in the affirmative, but he never actually does what the wife asks. Does this husband love his wife? If he forgets once in a while, that is one thing. If the husband fails consistently to feed the cats, the wife is going to see that failure for what it is, a lack of love. Like the husband in this example, we struggle for our love of Jesus to result in obedience to him. It is not that we don't want to be obedient. On our own, we are actually incapable of obedience. It is not within our nature, even for the love we have for Christ, to result in obedience to his commands. Jesus tells the disciples, who are justifiably concerned, they will be left to their own devices, that God will send them a helper at his request. We should take a minute to unpack what is meant by helper in these verses. I mentioned before the way helper is used in English translations of the Bible is misun easily misunderstood by those reading. A child who assists their parents in some matter is often described as a helper. 
It is the term someone with superior power uses to describe an inferior who is trying to help. Often, a helper isn't particularly helpful. If I ask one of you guys if you could come over to my house to to be my helper on a project, you would probably be insulted. You would say, or at least think, I'm not a helper. Show me some respect. I'm a grown man. The Greek word translated as helper is parakletos. It is a verbal adjective with passive force. If you struggle with grammar like I do, that last statement was probably a little bit hard for you to digest. We would probably be better off saying how the word was used than trying to explain the grammar. The word was used in Greek to describe a defender or a friend in court. In 1 John 2, 1, paraclete, the same word translated here as helper, is translated as advocate. When we send Jesus as our advocate before God the Father, Jesus is saying to the disciples in today's verses that he has been their helper, advocate, defender, and friend. Now another helper will come. This helper is none other than the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, our paraclete, our helper, does not operate below us to accomplish some required task. We are not in charge of the Holy Spirit. We do not provide Him directions. The Holy Spirit is the helper of Christians because we need the help. The dependency in this case is reversed from the way it normally is in situations when the word helper is used. As our helper, the Holy Spirit doesn't need us. We do need His help. We are the incompetent ones. The Spirit doesn't help like a child helps accomplish some task. He helps like a parent helps a child. The help every Christian needs from the Holy Spirit is eternal. We shouldn't think of the Holy Spirit as being an intermittent influence on our lives. The awareness we have of the Holy Spirit may ebb and flow. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit has abandoned us or gone elsewhere. It simply means that something in our lives is keeping us from experiencing the Holy Spirit with the consistency we should. The Holy Spirit dwells within Christians. The word dwell is not incidental. The Holy Spirit lives within Christians. He will be with Christians forever. Jesus' presence in the physical world was for a defined period of time. In the thousands of years of human history, Jesus was actively operating as the Messiah in the world for a three-year period to accomplish a defined purpose. 
His mission in the world was short-term with everlasting implications. The Holy Spirit's dwelling in us is not for a defined period. He has been sent to Christians to facilitate the permanent relationship we have with God the Father and Jesus Christ. The Spirit is a permanent fixture in the life of a Christian. The help the Holy Spirit provides to us is connected to His nature. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Our inability to be obedient to Jesus' commands is a product of lies. This has been true since the beginning. Adam and Eve believed a lie. Their behavior was a product of their belief. Actions follow belief. Ever since, the world has been filled with lies. In these verses, it says the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. That is because the truth of the Holy Spirit is a repudiation of the lies on which the world operates. In addition to the world being filled with lies, we are all extraordinarily good at lying to ourselves. Back in the spring, uh, Vladimir Putin ordered Russian forces to invade Ukraine. He claimed a variety of reasons for doing so, he claimed that Ukrainians were Nazis, and that's a pretty amazing claim with the president of Ukraine being Jewish, but he claimed it nonetheless. I don't, I don't know if Putin believed that particular statement, but it seems pretty clear that Putin did believe that Ukraine should be under Russian control. The lies he told and the war crimes he initiated were not wrong in Putin's mind. They were necessary costs to bring about the restoration of Russia and Ukraine's appropriate relationship. We marvel at the actions that have been excused with convoluted lies, but every person, we all do the same thing to a lesser extent in our own lives. We are so good at it and lying to ourselves, we often don't even realize we are doing it. I think it's actually pretty rare that people intentionally do something that they believe is wrong. I think it's pretty rare. I think, I think most of the time we just justify our actions with falsehoods. We lie to protect others. We to balance the scales in our favor and we excuse losing our tempers by, by pointing out it was, it was really someone else's fault. The Holy Spirit speaks truth to the lies which lead to our disobedience of Jesus' commands with the stunning truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not gone. Yes, he is physically gone. He is not walking around amongst us. We cannot touch him, and normally we cannot hear him in the same way we would hear the voice of a friend. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to see Christ's continued operation in the world. Our lives are absolutely dependent on Jesus' life. Jesus is not done living in the world. The truth that underlies our love and obedience to Christ is that Jesus is in the Father. Christians 
are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, we still can't be obedient to Jesus apart from him. This means we can't really love Jesus on our own. We don't need to try to be obedient apart from him. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is at work in us to bring about the obedience and love these verses describe. It is in this way the Holy Spirit helps us. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is manifest in us. All Christians have the Holy Spirit operating in them. You cannot opt out of the Holy Spirit and be a Christian. Our salvation is dependent on the actions of the Spirit. Despite the fact the Holy Spirit is present in us, many Christians live as if the Holy Spirit is an optional part of the Christian experience. He is not. Our life in Christ is dependent on the Holy Spirit's presence. Whether we realize it or not, we cannot live in Christ by by trying really hard. We cannot love or be obedient to Jesus' commands apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is vital. The functions of the Holy Spirit, like the functions of the liver, are manifold. The Spirit does not do only one thing. However, there is one thing that the Holy Spirit does that is especially important. It's kind of the basis for a lot of the Holy Spirit's other actions. He connects us to the truth of the living Christ in us. For us to live the Christian life well, the operation of the Holy Spirit within us must be embraced. It is through the Holy Spirit that we experience and take part in the life of the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would be with each of us here today. There are so many Uh, lies and and half-truths that that we convince ourselves of to excuse our behaviors, to allow us to do the things that we would like to do, Lord. And I pray that your Spirit would work in us, that we would see the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, and that we would obey that truth through the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.